Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today, and with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. And I'm feeling spooky. It is spooky month. This is going to be our second episode in October. We are blessed with three Halloween episodes this year, my friends. And also, it's Wednesday, my dudes. Ah! That is a throwback vine for sure. And one of the best. And also accurate, it is Wednesday, it is. October 11th, 2023, and we are recording this episode right before my sister and my niece get here. We're able to do it today because A, I work from home on Wednesdays, B, wrestling was yesterday on Tuesday, uh, which I'm going to watch it tonight on playback, basically, um, but we're able to do this, get this done before they get here, and be able to have a good Wednesday evening and gives me ample time to edit since you will be gone the next several days. Yes, I actually get a fall break this year because my niece and my sister want to go to Missouri, so I'm going to go celebrate fall break. I'm not. I'm staying here working and then just spending time at home, which is fine with me, based on what I just got in the mail. Yes. To be continued, that'll be discussed on a later podcast episode, I do believe. Yes. But what do we have today, Delty Poo? So today, beer-wise... We finally, and I say finally because it's been impossible, we finally got our hands on this year's batch of Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Oh my goodness. I've said this before. I'll say this a thousand more times. This is my favorite beer of the year. I absolutely love Pumpkin Head by Dogfish Head, and or Pumpkin Ale by Dogfish Head. And I went to so many liquor stores. I've been on so many lists waiting for someone to call me and tell me that they actually were able to secure a batch of this brew. And I found it. There is an app called Drizzle or Drizzly, something like that, where it's an alcohol delivery service. It's a Drizzly bear. Okay. And uh, that actually makes sense with the logo. Uh, I was looking on there because Haley said that our friend Lee had looked it up and couldn't find where anybody had dogfish head except for down in Oklahoma City. So I looked it up the other day after work, and sure enough, our liquor store that's on the way home from work that always has a very good beer selection, on there it stated they had some. So I bought two of their five remaining six-packs from their second case that they ordered the day that it came in, I believe. Because the day before was when you called them, is that correct? And they didn't have any? Yes, it was the day before. But I was able to pick it up. They've changed the cans this year. It's now part of the Off-Centered Art Series. Uh, It's a brown ale brewed with pumpkin and spices, and it's 7% alcohol by volume. I love this beer so much, and it was so challenging to get our hands on. That even though I can now see in this glass there's a bunch of sediment left over from the dishwasher that's floating to the top of my beer, I'm still going to drink this bad boy. (gasps) This is true love. Delton is switching with me because he loves me. It's because if a glass has gone through the dishwasher, I don't think these germs can hurt me and I don't care. See, I wasn't going to care. I was going to push past it. It's also in alcohol. That's true. For the love of the pumpkin. All right. So give it a nice smell and it smells like... Pumpkin. <laughs> it, do. it doesn't smell like overly processed pumpkin spice, which we've had with plenty of beers. It's a nice density. It's not too thick. It's not too thin. Oh, it rides man. to the middle a little more on the, the thicker. It's got a nice mouthfeel to it. It's a beautiful brown ale with a wonderful pumpkin taste. It tastes like you're eating a legit pumpkin pie. Not pumpkin pie mix. Yeah. Not pumpkin spice latte. I am drinking a pumpkin pie. And not a super sweet one either. This is like the pumpkin no. pie that your gra- your great grandma made. Yep. And so, like, I feel like our, our mom's generation made really sweet pumpkin pies, but like grandma and great grandma, they made like those savory pumpkin pies with a lot of spice and yep. a hell of a lot of pumpkin and not a lot of sugar because everybody was diabetic. 
And that's what this tastes like. This tastes like a legit pumpkin pie. It is delightful. Favorite beer of the year. I'll drink to that. I'll drink to you. Thank you, Delty, for getting me my beer. Of course. It's a very, very good beer. Have one more drink. I found out my grandma Brack's secret to her pumpkin pie is she puts cloves in it. Does she? Yeah, the, uh, not not chives, but cloves. Uh, and, and it has that clove, so it's got this extra little bit of like spice kind of to it. My mom's made it that way uh, several times, and I've always liked it. I didn't realize that's what that was. I'll have to try and make that. I did buy some pumpkin. I am ready to make some pumpkin pie. But before we do that, we should probably talk about what we've been up to this week and actually get into this episode. We do. Yesterday, I went to Tulsa, uh, took the day off, used some sick time instead of vacation because I'm saving up my vacation, and went and hung out with Kyle. Uh, we got to go to Drum World, which is a shop that is only percussion, 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 percussive instruments focused around the drum set, cymbals, different kits, snare drums, all all that kind of stuff. Very, very cool place. Uh, and then we went to his buddy Dustin has a place called Noise Town that they've opened in Tulsa over in West Tulsa, which is a practice rehearsal space. There's three different rooms you can rent by the hour. You can also rent musical equipment, cymbals, drums, guitars, amps, anything like that. They have PAs for each room. And they went in, I believe, from the ground up when they built it. Um, they used the existing place and built in walls and made sure to soundproof and uh, it was really nice. We just jammed out working on a song uh, that Kyle's been working on, and we finally got to a place where we could roughly play through it. Um, but that was fun. It was a lot of fun to do that yesterday. Uh, over the weekend, I saw Brian. I went to his house and hung out and played some games. Uh, we done anything else crazy? I did something crazy. Oh, yeah, you did your thing. I did my wilderness first aid class. It was a two-day course where we learned first aid, we learned wilderness first aid, we learned some uh, basic uh, survival techniques. We also got our CPR and AD training and all that jazz. But what was really neat about this course, so it's a, it's a two-day course, and typically this course is like four to $500, but the local Boy Scout troop does it for 90 bucks because in the state of Oklahoma, we don't have a lot of rural hospitals. And the uh, rule with the Boy Scouts is whenever they go camping, they have to be within 90 minutes of a hospital when there's not really any hospitals here. So because there's not a lot of hospitals in the state, uh, they allow the uh, den moms to become wilderness first aid trained. And so they do this as part of a fundraiser from what I understand, but got wilderness first aid trained. It was really neat because the first four hours of the training was a lot of book work. And the rest of the week was a lot or weekend was a lot of book work too, but they would play emergencies throughout our class. And the person who was helping the instructor actually has consulted on movies doing special effects. And so I tell you what, whenever there's a broken bone and it was poking out of their leg, there was a broken bone poking out of someone's leg. And the very last test, we had to do a written test and we had to do a field test. They told us, you know, okay, you guys are a bunch of campers. There was a tornado that came through the night before. Go. And they released us, and there are six of us who are wilderness first trained. We walked out there, and about on an acre, there's about seven to nine bodies lying about. And we all had to perform triage. We had to uh, treat people. We had to let somebody die, which was really hard, even though it was a 14-year-old giggling Boy Scout. It was very hard to make that decision. But we rescued everyone else, got everyone fixed up, and nobody else died, only the kid who had uh, crystals coming out of his ears, which means that he had spinal fluid coming out of his ears. And he probably wasn't going to make it anyway, no matter how hard we tried, but it was still an incredible experience. And I am wilderness first aid trained and it was so much fun. It's good knowledge to have when we go camping and hiking and 
hopefully backpacking if we ever can get time, just time to work out. And a backpack. Well, that's the least of our worries. We could do that whenever, but uh, that's really interesting, though, and it's, I'm glad you had such a good time. And like I said, it's a useful skill. And so that's kind of been our last couple of weeks. We've been working. I did wilderness first aid. You went to Tulsa. And we haven't been playing too many games, but a game that we played at Nick and Jennifer's house back in August, we thought would be the perfect game to talk about this episode. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for today is one, like Haley said, we played at Nick and Jennifer's up in Portland during Gen Con. It is Phantom Inc. This is one that I believe Jonathan brought over one of the nights he showed up. And we immediately liked this game a lot. I immediately put it in my cart and bought it that night without Haley knowing so I could surprise her with it as part of my uh, hold releases from some online retailers. Phantom Inc. is designed by Mary Flanagan and Max Seidman. Art and graphic design by Spring U. And it is published by Resonim. Phantom Inc. and its small four-page rulebook uh, is a very simple game that is a word-based game very similar to things like Decrypto and kind of code names, anything that uses words where you want them to be ambiguous but not too ambiguous and you don't want them to be too specific. It's, it, it definitely is in that vein. Uh, the way the game is going to work is you're going to have two teams. Each team has one ghost or spirit and the rest of the team are mediums. So the whole game is focused around the ghost giving answers slowly to the mediums to get them to guess one word. So there is, I'm going to grab some, there is a set of cards in the game that are the, like, goals, essentially. If you've ever played just one, it's got cards, words with, uh, cards with words on them just like that. So this card has numbers one through six, and each one is a different word. Number one is sunglasses. Number two is bottle. Number three is blender. Four is alien. Five is star. And six is belt. So what would happen is the ghosts would get one of these cards, and they would agree, okay, we're going to do number four. We're going to pick alien. That's our word, alien. Then what would happen is it would go to the mediums. The mediums are going to have a different set of cards that are question cards, and they'll have a certain number in their hand. They will take those question cards and they will pick two of them to give to the ghost on their team. The ghost will pick one to answer and one to not answer, and then the ghost will then provide that answer in a specific way. So, for example, the first two here, uh, one of these questions, it says longevity. How long will it last if left alone? The next one is, let's say these are the two given to a ghost, and I was the ghost trying to get my team to guess alien. The next one is dropped. What noise does it make when dropped? Those are both really hard in this case. Let's say I decided to answer the longevity one of how long will it last if left alone? So the one that you answer, your team sees it, but the other team does not. That's what it was. I was trying to remember where that card went, and I couldn't figure that out. Um, so anyway... Your team has that, and you decide to start to answer. Now, what happens is you have a notepad in front of you, and each team gets one. One is... The sun. One is the sun, and one is the moon. Yes, one is the sun, one's the moon. And what happens is you're going to answer this in whatever fashion you think you need to, in whatever word you're going to use or, or term, but you're going to do it one letter at a time, slowly, while saying the letters aloud. 
So, for example, if the clue that I was trying, if, if I was answering the question of how long will it last, and the I'm trying to get my team to answer in in the end, answer to the word aliens, then I am going to do like let's say the word unknown because I wouldn't know how long aliens will last. So I will write a U and say U N K, and once my medium team thinks that they know what I'm writing they will say silencio or stop or whatever. And that's where that's going to stay on the pad, just those few letters. Yeah, an example of this in real time. So whenever we were playing, Delton was on our team and I was the ghost and I was trying to get them to guess camera. Well, Delton, who was your partner? Was it Delton? Was you and Jonathan? Uh, me and Jonathan were the ghosts, I think, at that one, weren't we? Well, I don't know. Well, it was the one whenever I was the ghost. I was trying to get you guys to guess oh, camera. Oh, it, it, was, it was me and Jonathan, yeah. And so they had put down the question, uh, what film would you see it in? What movie would you see it in? And so I started to write out Peeping Tom because I knew that Delton knows Peeping Tom. Yeah. And the, the core object of that is, is the camera. So I wrote P-E-E-P. And Delton goes, Silencio, 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 Silencio. Because <laughs> I knew immediately she was referen- referencing Peeping Tom. And the murder weapon in that is a tripod leg of a camera, but the camera is like the main thing. The whole point is filming. So it's like, oh, got it immediately. Easy peasy done. But what I like about it too, is both teams are looking for the same word. So you can look at the other team's words when they're giving them out. And sometimes their team takes a few extra letters to figure out what the ghost is writing or the spirit versus your team. So that can actually help you get further clues. If you're like, I think it might be this. And the other team has this, what, what I think is this word and this word, which would line up with what my guess is, and so forth. So you're going to do that until you want to guess the object, which is trying to win. Uh, basically, you, the medium, uh, will write the first letter of your guess on your team's next space on your pad, saying the letter aloud. If it's correct, the spirit is going to knock on the table. Uh, then you add the next letter and say it aloud, and they knock on the table if it's right. If it's wrong, the spirit puts the finger to their lips, you cross out the wrong letter, and your turn is over. So when you're finished uh, writing at that point, you give it a period. If you've written correctly, though, your team wins. Uh, There's no penalty for an incorrect guess, except that you could waste a turn and give away what you're thinking, which could help the other team. But really, that's it for the entirety of the rules. The only extra thing are the eye spaces. Once you've gotten through so many guesses, you can actually request either spirit to reveal the next letter of any word written. Yeah, you get to a certain space. I think on the moon, it's like uh, space three, and on the sun, it's like space four. So once you get to that space, then you can request that other letter. Yeah, and that's just really helpful to say, I think I know what this word is, but I'm really not sure, but the next letter would help. Or the other team has this, and I don't know what that is. Can I get one more letter to see if I can figure it out? It's just such an easy and unique and fun game. I say unique, it's similar to several others, but it feels different because something about the competition in the game doesn't feel as like super competitive as some, and it's just really fun. I don't know, we had such a good time. We played it two or three times. We did, and I think for me personally, I love spooky ghost games. Yeah. I love games where one of you can play a medium. I love games with ambiguity. I love social games, and I also love word games. So for me, this game scratches a whole bunch of itches. It's really fun. It's a cooperative, collaborative game. There's words involved. It's a little bit spooky. I love the theme. And so this quickly shot to one of my favorite Halloween games. But that's the entirety of the game. It's 
exactly what you think it is. Like Haley said, it shot up immediately as like our group spooky game. Play with, you know, four and up uh, and like four people and up. And it's just, it's a, a fun game if you enjoy word games of this type that aren't based on how good you are, how your vocabulary is, or if it's an area control like Scrabble. It's based on, can you think of like, how are you relating this word? Can you think of what word they would use? How would you answer this question? It's also about getting on the same wavelength too. Yes, and those are all things that we enjoy in the word games we really like. And I do think, for the comparison, I think Nick said it, that this is very similar to Decrypto. Uh, even though Decrypto, you're trying to guess your opponent's different words, uh, this is so much easier to explain how it functions, and it's easier to play. Like, Decrypto, I really like Decrypto, but it's every time I play it, I have to like relearn how to play it because I find it to be very clunky in its functioning. This is a lot simpler and cleaner for the same end outcome for me. Yeah, I could definitely see this as a party game I would bring to a group of friends. I could play this with gamers. Yes. And also, I can also play this with some of my friends who maybe don't play a lot of board games. Either way, it's really enjoyable. Yes, this fits that. And Decrypto is more of the like gamers only kind of thing because it's so odd, in my opinion. But yeah, so that's Phantom Inc. You should definitely check it out. It's a great game for the Halloween season and for all year because it's really good if you play with four or more people regularly. Plus, there are always ghosts all around us. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today was going to be ghost games. There are ghosts around us at all times, not just Halloween, but Halloween is a perfect time of year to celebrate all things that are spooky, including the ghost games we have on our shelves that are surrounding us right now. The ghosts are in the room with us right now, Delton. So we wanted to just uh, kind of discuss the games where ghosts are involved. I mean, in Phantom Inc., you play a spirit, which is basically a ghost. So thematically, yes, it fits. And we wanted to talk about other games like that because... From what I can find, there's not, like, a ton that really have, like, a ghost or spirit aspect, and it was something that we enjoy in games, and so we wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. As well as why we like them. Yes, and so one of the first games that uh, will probably be the most similar to Phantom Inc. in terms of how the ghost or spirit is represented is going to be Mysterium that we play a lot. Yeah, that's been one of our favorite games. We actually... uh reviewed that one, I think, in episode six. So it's been a longtime favorite, and that's something that still hits the table pretty regularly. It's probably one of our most played group games. I know Brian has the two-player version, Mysterium Park, and he's going to be getting rid of it. So if you're interested in trying it, oh, uh, he wasn't a fan of the art on the cards for it. Uh, so And something else about the rules, that he just didn't think that it really worked where Mysterium does. So maybe we'll have to borrow it before he sells it and try it out and see how that goes. Uh, But Mysterium is a game where one player plays a ghost who has been killed and very clue style. You're trying to give the other players the uh, what object, where it happened, and who did it. And they're having to guess based on art clues that you give them, art cards that can be very interpretable anywhere from this card looks kind of blue colored to this tiny detail on this person's hat resembles a crescent shape, so I'm going to think it's this place that has a moon in the picture. And it's also very interpretable when you're playing with Delty. Yeah, because my reasoning shifts constantly. So Delton is very intelligent, and he picks up Don't lie to on me. 
the most interesting details, but most of the time they're not details that we pick up on too. Correct. And then literally <laughs> one time where I was trying to make it easy and I just picked green because the card looked green and I gave it to someone and Brian made the joke, if he's just doing this because the color of the card, I'm going to be so mad. That was why the whole game I did not play it that way, but that card I did. And instead of, they understood it, they all acknowledged it, but nobody thought that must be why he put this here because we're all acknowledging the color, but no. Because that's not how Dalton usually rolls. Usually it's like, okay, see how this uh, chest of drawers is shaped like a square? Well, if you think about it, we're all squares, and so you should definitely pick this picture of a nerd over here. That's the stupidest explanation (laughs) I've ever heard. That's a Haley reasoning. (laughs) That is incorrect. I'm a good ghost. I'm really good. (laughs) No. I can... can speak through the radio waves or whatnot and get get attention easily. Sure. But, so Mysterium and Phantom Inc. both have something in common, which is where you are playing a spirit or a ghost. There are other games in which you are actually competing with ghosts in some manner. So one of the big ones, which I do want to play this uh, month, is Ghost Stories. Uh, ghost Stories is an older Antoine Bowser game. There is an app. Uh, I have the physical copy. I want to buy the expansions. I never have because we just don't play it a lot. But uh, Ghost Stories is where you are playing four, I believe that you are four key monks, and there is a ghost invasion of your town, and you are having to fight these ghosts off. And uh, it's a a notoriously difficult cooperative game. Some people are very good at cooperative games on, on learning how to beat them and do it consistently. I am not. This one is very difficult, even on the easiest difficulty. I actually don't think I've ever beaten Ghost Stories, uh, which is probably why I haven't played it too much. Uh, But in Ghost Stories, you are fighting against ghosts. So this time the ghosts are evil spirits, vengeful spirits. Uh, They are coming to attack you. And once you make it so long, the big boss daddy ghost comes out and he says, listen here, you're going to get a pankin. And you say, no, and then you have to beat him. (laughs) And so that's that's how Ghost Stories works. It's accurate. I've played that game a thousand times. That's how the story was written in Mr. Bowser's mind. A um, pankin. A pankin. Of all things. Anyway, uh, some games have that presentation of ghosts, right? They have ghosts as the vengeful evil spirit that needs to be cleansed in the combat form. Sometimes there's some games that probably do it in a different method. Uh, but the something that I found is I have a hard time finding games with ghosts as part of the game, at least ones that are in my collection. Yeah, I don't know why we don't have more ghost games. And I don't know if it's because we we don't pick them up or we don't seek them out, but I I love ghost games. And I find that every ghost game that we've bought have been ones I've come back to over and over and over again. And I think for you too, because uh, like you said, Phantom Meek, we played that multiple times. Uh, Mysterium, we played that multiple, multiple times over the last few years. Yep. Also, Ghost Stories. And so, for you, Delty, what is it about ghost games that you like? Why Why are you drawn to them? Before I answer that, there's a game like Mysterium called Paranormal Investigate, or sorry, Paranormal Detectives that I want to get that is a Mysterium, but instead of giving a card with art on it and they interpret it, it's like, oh, the ghost is sending me a message and you have to hold the person's arm and help them draw a picture and it's very interactive and a little more party game-ish. And I really want to play the game. See, that sounds great. Again, I would right? definitely love that game. That one sounds that one sounds so much fun. I'm looking up games right now to figure out what has ghosts that aren't the, you know, Betrayal at House on the Hill has 50 or so different things. And some of those are going to be ghosts. 
uh, anything that's like an Elder Gods game, a Cthulhu-style game, might have ghosts involved. There's stuff like that, but like truly a ghost-based game, there's just not a ton. There's some older ones like Ghost Castle, uh, Haunt the House, things like that. But it feels like that the ghosts within the modern board game world are uh, really not as prevalent. But the reason I think we like them is because they're spooky. They are spooky. And, you know, part of the reason I'm going to give a little psychology uh, factoid here. Uh, so the same reaction in the brain that uh, we have when we experience fear is the same as when we experience excitement. It's all about how we label it. So, for example, you riding on a roller coaster, we label that as exciting. It's fun. So it's enjoyable. Any other time our body is strapped to a chair and being swung upside down, we're going to be terrified. It's the same experience. It's all in how you label it. And so with spooky games, uh, things that make you feel a little creeped out, a little scared, a little anxious, because it's in this fun environment, we, we, we take it as exciting. Um, but I want to ask Delty, something that I've noticed about at least the three games that we've bought and that one paranormal investigator uh, game is that all of these games are cooperative. Why do you, why do you, cause you're, you're more, you know more about games and game mechanics than I do. Why do you think that ghost games tend to be more cooperative? That's a really good question. I think that part of it is that there is an appeal to like, basically there's a common question. If you say, if you're, if you're walking around with a group of people and someone says, Hey, you see that house right there? I've heard that house is haunted and there's a ghost that you can see at night in the window. Well, what's everyone's question in their head immediately? Who's the ghost? Or what happened? What happened? Right? I think there's a curiosity that everybody shares. So when there's a game that uh, one player, especially the games that a player plays the spirit, trying to reveal that info to everyone, I just think that it's very much mirroring the curiosity of just everybody. And that's true. And I guess in real life, we wouldn't want to investigate a haunted house alone. And you do feel safer in numbers. And I know mm -hmm. this is a silly, like, it's, it's silly. I know I'm playing a game. But every time I play Phantom Inc. or I play Mysterium, I still get that little bit of a chill, like, ooh, spooky. I'm going to interact with the ghost. The ghost is Delton. And he's trying to get me to guess a square based off of a chest of drawers. But still, there's that little creepy feeling. And I guess there's that camaraderie that you want to rely on whenever you're investigating the creep you feel safer it feels more fun too yeah exactly and i think that that plays into a lot of the the more party style games like that right even though spirit inc or uh, sorry phantom inc has two different spirits that are trying to get to the same answer just faster it still has that thing where everybody is trying to find this one answer and i think that that's the thing that's in common with the party style games now, in terms of games like Ghost Stories, where the ghosts are, you know, vengeful bad spirits, and I'm sure there's plenty of other games I don't know about because there's too many games, I can't, we can't know all of them, um, but any time the ghosts are bad, I think that also plays into the same thing, where if you walk by a house and someone says, you know, hey, there's a ghost that shows up here, if you saw the ghost in that moment and then it just vanished, every single person there would be terrified. Like, if it happened, you would be like, I'm not going near that house. F this place. I shit my pants. I'm going home. <laughs> and that's just how it is. And so I think that when the ghosts are bad, it also makes sense because, you know, we're taught that ghosts, I say we're taught, I feel like we're introduced a lot in media 
as kids that ghosts are always spooky bad things. Even in Scooby-Doo, even though it was somebody hiding, some corporate CEO or something hiding under a mask or the owner of the lumber mill, uh, ghosts are always bad, which is the only reason that they had to make Casper the friendly ghost, right? He could have just been Casper, but ghosts were always shown so negatively that he had to be the friendly ghost to be positive. So I think that it just plays to that, that ghosts are generally seen as negative, and uh, games where you fight against them is just what most people, I, I feel like their initial reaction to a bunch of ghosts are attacking the town kind of thing is, is just, we have to fight the ghosts away. Let's band together. Yes, exactly. I think in both cases, which you just said it there, in both cases, both styles of games, you're banding together to work against the ghost or with the ghost in a way, but no matter what, you're together as a group in whatever goal you have. And that seems to be just the big thing is ghosts are spooky and it's something otherworldly and there is safety in real life, you know, uh, corporeal flesh that you can reach out and be like, hey, you're a real person, right? So that's why it was always a bad idea whenever Fred said, let's split up, gang. Yeah. You know the rules. You've seen Scream. (laughs) Never split up. Never split up. It's a bad idea. But yeah, so I think that that's it. I wish I had more... Uh, more games to talk about. I really want them. I don't know how they could do it. I would love them to do an IP because they've done Rear Window. They've done Jaws. They've done Alien. They've done the Goonies. I want a Poltergeist game. Ooh, that would be spooky. But I don't know what you would do, and I wouldn't want it to be as much fun as, like, I really like Rear Window as a Mysterium counterpoint. It's the same kind of thing but different, right? Um, I really love it because of the theme. The Alien game and the Jaws game and the Goonies games, I think they're probably, from what I understand, they're okay for like people as far into gaming as we are. But I would love if if we could get a, a just an awesome poltergeist like hobby gamist game. I would love that. I don't know what it would be, but that movie's great. I, I can't argue with it. Directed by Toby Hooper, written or produced by, uh, what's his name? My brain's completely blanking on the producer of You're looking at the wrong person. You know it. I know Nicolas Cage. He's an actor. I know like five actors. I know two directors. I know John Williams. He's a conductor. It's directed by Toby Hooper, who directed the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it is produced by Steven Spielberg. Ah, that's one of the directors I knew. Yes, that is why Poltergeist is such a good movie, along with the acting and the story and everything. It's just, it's got two big names that know what they're doing behind it. It's a great movie. Great movie. Holds up for PG-13. But I think that that's going to cover the ghosty section here. Let's get on to the questions so we can boo out of here and go eat some dinner because I'm hungry. Boo. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. So for the question today, thanks to Haley's quick thinking, what is your favorite ghost-focused media, whether it be a a scary movie or a scary TV show that is focused around ghosts as the, I guess, good or bad? So I'm going to say Haunting of Hill House, the the show. And I like that because we've seen it twice now, and I really think it's scarier the second time because I know there are ghosts lurking. So we watched the first seat, we watched the, the whole series, and I came across a BuzzFeed article that said, Here's the, like, 17 ghosts that are hidden in Hill House. And I looked at it, and I was like, what? How did I miss these ghosts? And so then we decided to watch it again, 
with this BuzzFeed guy pulled up, and it was even scarier the second time. I've already seen it. I know what happens, and I know, because I'm looking at my phone, I know where these ghosts are, but just waiting for them to appear, waiting for our eyes to find them on the screen, that was terrifying, and I loved it. It's super spooky when you start realizing the ghost in the background, especially, yeah, with where they're positioned and how they look, and then once you start seeing them, you're like, ah. It's just horrifying every time. Great, great show. Great series of shows. We need to see Midnight Club from last year so we can see the new one he's putting out this year, Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Mike Flanagan does just great work, and he always has Kate Siegel, his wife, in the movies, as well as like a bunch of other repeating cast, and they're great. Uh, in terms of my favorite... Delton really likes Sixth Sense. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, it's a good movie. It's your favorite. It's not my favorite. The but twist a, gets you every time. But it's a good movie. The twist gets me every time. It's a great movie. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite ghost one, even though I haven't seen the original still, because even though you agreed to it, I didn't put you through it. Uh, I The American Ring is still just a fantastic, spooky ghost story, and I want to see the original Ringu. I will see it with you. I just have to be in a right headspace. So yeah. me, like, oh, I've had like 17 clients today, and... I've heard all this bad stuff. Del's like, you want to watch a horrifying movie? No, it's a Tuesday. It's 9.30 at night. I got to go to bed. I mean, that sounds correct, but that's okay. But uh, yeah, so I think that that... No, you, you forgot you had to uh, talk to Ben about your movies. Oh, I was literally about to do that, and oh, then you sorry. interrupted. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so uh, with that, I think that's going to cover all the main parts of the podcast. But Ben, directly to you, Ben, Mr. Ben... Uh, my movie watching this month has been going very well. So far, I have watched 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 movies in these 11 days of October, in which I have finished Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 through, what is it, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and the New Nightmare. And as of today, I have finished Friday the 13th Part 2, through Jason Goes to Hell, which is the ninth movie. All I have left of it is Jason X because I've seen everything else. And so I have Jason X to watch of that, which I'll probably watch tomorrow. And then I'm off to watch probably the Hellraiser sequels. You got a full calendar. I really do. Right now I'm ahead. Uh, I'm ahead by a few days and I plan to keep it that way because it helps if I can watch several movies a day because I work from home. But I wanted to update you, Ben, directly. Delton is speaking to you through the radio. I will say, of all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, aside from the first, which I think is great, uh, the third is probably my favorite, and then New Nightmare was very good. Of the Friday the 13th, uh, I honestly think I honestly think New Blood, part seven, I believe that's the first one with Kane Hodder playing as Jason, and I don't know how to super confirm that but uh it is that one is uh really 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 good i think it was the best jason acting yet and i think it's because it was kane hodder and there's a reason that he went on to do the next three jason films because he's very good uh but that was my favorite one of those but i think that that's going to be everything i'm going to give a quick shout out to our patreon patrons thank you i keep almost saying kickstarter backers uh, thank you so much for shouting us out on for shouting us out for backing us on Patreon, <laughs> where you get shouted out on the podcast. Uh, that's going to be a big thanks to Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff. There's some other amazing patrons at different levels. Go to patreon.com/malthousegames. 
if you want to be like them or just to check out our Patreon. Uh, you can always find us on all social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can also find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have a game you think we should cover, a question for us to answer, a topic you want us to discuss, or a beer that you think we should find, send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. I think that's going to be everything. I'm going to go in there and start going through the stuff that Tyler sent me. This will be prepared for our Halloween episode. Yes, the episode that comes out on the spookiest episode of the year, the 29th. Yes, almost the Halloween. Not quite, but almost. But I'll go through that tonight. But until then, make sure to have plenty of good spooky movie watching, some maybe some fun horror reading, play some scary games, but make sure, all in all, to sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Bye. Bye. Bye.